Welcome to episode two of the podcast that considers all stages connected with workforce planning. In this episode, Chris and I are joined by Keris Hogardi. Listen as we consider where selection recruitment and employer branding fit into the development of high-performing teams. Keris leads Collier's International's North American People Services Group for Canada and the US. She coaches, mentors, and manages a high-performing team of over 80 HR pros with a focus on strategic business partnerships, talent management, employee experience, employment brand championship, diversity and inclusion, and continuous process improvement. Hi, Karis. It's a pleasure to have you today joining us. We'd like to ask you a question right out of the bat. Can you paint a picture of the job market right now and what you expect to see in terms of mobility of skilled workers by the end of 2021? Yeah, thanks, Chris. I think that um, that the jobs market quite ne- right now is, has has changed quite dramatically over the last six to eight weeks. I think, you know, as we've started to see uh, countries reopen um, from an office perspective as well as the economy, um, we're, we're starting to see a decrease in in, in unemployment, um, which is actually creating a bit of a scramble, if you like. Uh, certainly, a number of companies where they're trying to ramp back up uh, post pandemic. Um, you know, really looking to increase their their hiring and their talent acquisition. And so it's creating quite a hot job market for, for, for the applicants themselves, for candidates. So, you know, we're definitely seeing um, it, it becoming more challenging to find uh, interested talent, uh, to find candidates for certain roles. Um, and at the same time, you know, so some of those uh, positions are also demanding higher higher compensation, higher salaries or higher benefits. And as well, you know, expectations on things like work environment and culture, um, you know, really kind of tap into that as well. So it, it's a really challenging uh, market, becoming a challenging market for employers. Um, and I expect to see that over the next couple of months to continue. Um, but if you're a candidate right now, then you're probably very well positioned in terms of looking for your next opportunity. And and uh, you, you'll, you'll find plenty of uh, plenty of roles uh, start to come onto the books. So, listeners, Keris and I, we we got to do something which was um, somewhat unusual in in the in the, in the, certainly in the last year or so, and that's we we got to meet up in person. We you know we had a coffee in person, you know, in a social distance way. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, just <laughs> last week, which was wonderful. And during during that chat, uh, Keris and I, we we came to the conclusion that um, the, the the huge movement within the labor market is happening now. It's not happening later on in 2021. It's happening it's now. now. Yes. Right. <laughs> and and, and I, I interviewed someone just earlier today who suggested um, uh, that there could be as many, as much as 25% movement within, within uh, certain industries in, in the labor market, which is, which is huge and possibly terrifying for HR pros. Keris, any tips for HR pros to help them navigate through huge numbers of job applications? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a bunch of things. I think, you know, f- firstly, what I would always advocate for is to be proactive in your candidate search. So rather than, you know, that post and pray method of, of posting a job, waiting for applications to come in and then, you know, having to spend hours and hours sifting through them, um, you know, try and get into the habit and the routine of being as proactive as possible and and going out and proactively sourcing candidates from, from you know, the various job boards or uh, networking sites that, that you're connected to. So that, that would be my, my, my first stance. I think the second one is don't forget to look internally. 
Like if you've if, if we've got an environment right now where we're seeing our people being proactively poached, um, then I would say that one of the, the top tips would be to, you know, encourage internal applications. Uh, it may not be that they want to leave your company. They just might want a new challenge. And if they're presented with the right challenge internally, then you've got the opportunity to retain that talent um, and, and, and keep them in the company, but, but also give them new opportunities to develop their career or their skill set. So I think it's definitely worth kind of looking internally. And then, you know, if you are, you know, having to sift through huge numbers of job applications, really prioritize, um, you know, try and prioritize what are the what are the absolute must haves um, that, that are non-negotiables and, and, and really kind of start there. Um, but I think that, you know, layering on all of that, you know, I think there's a huge expectation and rightly so for for talent acquisition teams and for organizations to to be as inclusive as possible in their processes so really try to make sure that there's some good parameters in place some good guardrails good good um you, you know practices around um making sure that you're you know reducing the amount of bias in that process and, and creating an inclusive environment in which to to you know make that selection of candidates for for first stage interviews if you like I love that. I love that answer. That's wonderful. So, you know, going back to your original, you know, premise and concept that you guys have been talking about, you know, now's the time. It's it's really now and you've got a competitive uh, market for talent and people have the opportunity to choose. And like you talk about internal or external, you know, focusing your proactive uh, activities around how do we source it and where do we go from? So let me ask a, a question that that's kind of more, you know, because you're really marketing yourself. Talk to me about what are the benefits of working on your employer brand? Yeah, this is a great question. Actually, Bill and I touched on this in a, a podcast we recorded maybe a year ago, Bill, I want to say. It, it feels like it's that long if it's not that long. Um, yes, and, please, please check out the HR chat show listeners. It's also very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we did talk about this, but we talked about it from the perspective of, you know, how to, how to, why to focus on your employer brand in the downturn. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, people listening to this have, have not stopped working on, um, you know, re really kind of understanding how their employer brand fits into uh, recruitment and retention. Um, you know, because certainly during the downtime, you know, your, your, your branding efforts really helped to uh, lay out your culture, um, you know, how you responded to the pandemic, for example, how, how you made people feel during that, during that time. Um, and, and that kind of creates a brand around, you know, you as an employer and, and how people's employee experience will be if they were to come and join you. Now, having having said that, if if you know you're really thinking about ramping up efforts on your employer brand, I think that there's um, you know there's a couple of main benefits. I think you know from a recruitment perspective, your employer brand should be really clear, really genuine. Um, and authentic because what, what you're looking to do is attract the right people to the right roles in the right organization. Um, it's okay for people to feel like they don't relate to your brand and it's okay for them to deselect themselves from the process because they don't feel that that's the place that they want to work. What you do want to do is attract the people that really do um, identify with your with your culture, with your brand, with your organization, the industry that you you operate within, so that those are the ones that that come forward in the first instance, and everybody says saves themselves a lot of time and, and potentially some heartache down the line. And the second one is, um, you know, not just from a recruitment perspective, but from a retention perspective. You know, one of the things that we found with our employer brand at Colliers is that um, by by creating a, a really strong narrative that was genuine and authentic and being able to message it in a way that that made sense for people, 
um, internally our employees were able to connect with it. They were able to make that connection between what their values were, um, how they want to work, what kind of company they want to be associated with, how they might feel proud to say, I work for Colliers. Um, and internally that creates a retention mechanism um, that, that you know is layered onto other other ways of, of keeping your staff engaged and productive and and obviously stopping them from from leaving for another opportunity so you know from both a recruitment perspective you know you you've got to make sure that that brand is out there and that you're you know being authentic and attracting the right people and then you know from a retention perspective just enabling people to to create that co connectivity and it it builds loyalty it builds engagement um and if people feel you know that they're engaged with their with their organization and their employer they're they're likely to be much more productive too excellent thank you so much so Karis, I'd, I'd i'd like to talk to you a bit more about employer branding um it's essentially marketing, isn't it? In in, in some in some yeah. respects, um, yeah. and marketing is about projecting the best possible image, the best possible brand, of course. So, can employer branding really indicate what the employee experience will be like, or should should uh, candidates accept the fact that you know it's going to be it's going to be a different experience to to what they're being sold, perhaps um, during during the recruitment stages. Great question. You're absolutely right. It's marketing and, and you know, no employer in their right mind is going to showcase the skeletons in their closet. So I think that, you know, as, an, as a candidate um, going through the through the recruitment process, um, it, it's really prudent to ask the right questions um, to really kind of validate uh, that employer brand. Now, most employers, you know, are, are not perfect. And, you know, there are always going to be some challenges or issues. Um, they may well be on a journey to um, improvement or, um, or creating a better employee experience. Uh, so really it's about asking questions about where, where that organization is on the, that particular journey. Um, so, you know, think about things like, um, you know, inclusion and belonging as, as part of that employee experience. You know, ask questions of the employer. What, you know, what are you doing currently? What have you done? What are your plans for next year? You know, how do you intend on um, improving this or that or increasing um, the opportunities in, in this area or that area? So really looking to kind of validate that. Um, so I definitely recommend candidates continue to do that. Um, but for employers, I think it's important, as I said earlier, to just be really authentic around it. Like, you know, we're all on a journey and a lot of these journeys are never ending. Um, you know, and, and the, the world changes and expectations on us change as employers of, of how we show up and how we support our people. So, you know, just making sure you're able to articulate what it is you're doing currently, what your intentions are, um, you know, where, where your commitments are, I think is just really important and, and being honest about it. Quick follow-up on that, Keris. Maybe maybe you might want to use uh, Colliers uh, as a as a use case because you work there, or maybe you don't. Maybe you want to talk in more general terms. But in terms of the employer brand, can can it also speak to the standards of of the candidates required by that employer? So, for example, I would expect folk who land a job at Google to be pretty amazing professionals. Yeah, I, I think it does. I think. Um... You know, everybody has the opportunity to be amazing in the right environment. I, I, I do believe that. And it may make me a bit of an idealist, um, but but I do believe that everybody has a, a spot in which or a place in which they're, that they're going to be the best that they can be. And so, you know, just because, um, you know, it doesn't. It isn't right in one particular organization or environment. It might be better or different um, or, or feel, feel right in a different environment. So I think that, you know, making sure that that authenticity there is really key for both parties in, in this process, um, because, you know, it, it may be that somebody doesn't feel that they can 
be performing at their at their best or or their optimum or delivering you know on on their on their projects or, or programs in in a way that that they feel that they're contributing to you know 100 of of their capabilities in a certain environment for many reasons um it may be you know colleagues or manager or processes or um, environment or culture whatever it might be and they move to a different organization and all of a sudden they feel at home and they can contribute um you know to the to the best of their ability and they can show up every day um and and really provide that value and be super productive so i think that you know i i i'm reluctant to talk too much about standards of candidate i think it's about finding the right candidate that fits well within the um the value structure and the culture structure that's created by that organization fantastic answer brilliant very very good Karis, i'm gonna change it up a little bit here and i have a question mm -hmm. because this is becoming more re relevant in a lot of the workplaces that we're seeing these days how are artificial intelligence and automation augmenting and replacing the traditional roles that we see? And what does that mean for those looking to get back into the job market here after the pandemic, as well as for those looking to remain relevant in their current positions? This is this is a great question. I think that, um, <clears throat> and, it, and it's going to have varying degrees of impact on different organizations. So, for example, at Collier's, you know, our, our product is our people. Uh, you know, we don't own anything. We don't make anything. Um, you know, really the, the product that we have, the brand that we have is, is our people. We're a consulting organization. Um, and so when we think about it from that perspective, these are knowledge-based individuals. So these are individuals that are bringing knowledge um, and, and skill to um you know to, to to drive revenue and and so when you think about it from that perspective it, it's harder to replace those types of roles with uh, with ai um it it really does come down to an individual's experience exposure skill sets um a, a team dynamic um you know a vision so so that's really hard to replace with ai having said that what what we what we are looking at in in that kind of environment is is really driving towards ai that can help support those processes in the background that are maybe more maybe more manual maybe more um less efficient um so so that individuals can spend more time being uh, that strategic advisor and less time on having to to complete some of those automated ta those, those tasks that could be automated so um you know from our perspective ai is going to be an enhancer for the knowledge-based workers that we have within our organization now if you flip that to a company that maybe is more manufacturing oriented or um you know is is more kind of transactional in its nature um you know there are real opportunities to uh you know to develop processes systems and tools that that can um that can replicate a, you know a, a human being if you like in those in those instances and so you know it, it enables companies to to scale up because you you're able to do more things in more consistency um and more frequently and so there's there's real opportunities for organizations there so you know from a candidate perspective i think it's really about trying to understand you know what are your what are your core skill sets what are your key experiences how can you contribute towards um, automation um, or how can you um, how can you understand where you can leverage your knowledge um, to, to, to really kind of be at the fore of what you're offering your employer um, because those knowledge-based roles are, are, are much much harder to replace Keris, yes. I'd like to ask you a question now as if as if you and I were standing in a social distance capacity in an, in an elevator 
and a lift. Um, okay, and, and I'm going up to the 13th floor. So we've got about 45 seconds for this for this fortuitous conversation that we are about to have. Um, in this elevator, I ask you the following, and then you're gonna you're gonna try and give me uh, a bit of an overview before I have to jump out uh, on that floor. How do you how do you ensure your recruitment and selection process strategy fits into the overall workforce plan at Collier's? Go. Go. Okay, this is a this is a really <laughs> one um, because our number one priority at Collier's is recruitment and retention of top talent. Like that that is our number one priority, and I don't say that from an HR perspective. I say that from a business perspective. Um, so our business is is really really focused on growth. Um, and increasing our footprint as an organization. And so uh, recruitment and retention, so the recruitment and selection process is, is something that every leader has as their number one priority in their business plan. And when you have that in mind, the ability to collaborate with uh, our talent acquisition teams and, and others that are involved in you know, creating the ability for them to, to hire that top talent um, is not forced, it's not coerced, um, but it's something that's really welcomed by the organization. Uh, that was, I think that was about 39 seconds, Chris. We, we need to get this lady back on another episode. She's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we need to get her back on at some point in time. This is great. Listen, as we look to wrap up, Karis, we ask, we'd like to ask our guests the following. From a culture and people perspective, what does a high-performing company mean to you? This is a great question, and I think you could you could go in so many different avenues with this one. This isn't a 45-second answer for, for this one, so I'm glad this one wasn't the elevator pitch. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, for, for me, a high-performing company from a cultural um, people processes perspective encompasses a couple of key things. I think that, um, th that there needs to be a really clear vision um, in terms of what the organization's goals and objectives are. And then I think they need to couple that vision with a sense of purpose. And if you can have a really clear vision about where you're headed as an organization, why people should show up every day um, and, and give their 100% you know, effort, and then drive some purpose behind it so there's a real connectivity for each and every individual within an organization to understand the importance of the role they play in achieving that vision, then I think you will um, automatically create a high-performing environment in which people want to show up and do their best work. Um, so that's a, a really kind of high-level, um, you know, philosophy, if you like, around creating high performance. But I think that, you know, there's so many elements that go into that that, you know, would, would take a whole podcast for, for itself. But I think that really, if if you're looking to to drive that high performance culture, um, it's really about making sure that people are, are, are rowing in the right direction, but they're doing so because they feel connected to the mission and the vision at hand. All right. And I'm also glad that we didn't make that an elevator pitch style answer because that was very articulate and you did not need to be rushed. Keris, we are just about to wrap up before we before we do finish for today. How, how can our how, how can our listeners connect with you through LinkedIn, email, whatever you want to suggest there? And how can they learn more about all the awesome things happening over at Collier's? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active, so fairly easy to find. Uh, just search for me at Keris Hogardi and, and feel free to send a connection request or or a message over. Happy to, to chat to people. Um, if you want to find out more about Colliers, uh, Colliers.com. It's as simple as that. Uh, we're also on social media, um, so you can find Colliers on Instagram and Facebook and, and, and all the other usual places. But uh, LinkedIn for sure, our website for sure, best places to, to find out more about us awesome and i should just add um because i'm, I'm always up for a shameless plug uh that there was an interview with keris talking about um the labor market during a very depressed time uh around around the june ish of last year on the hr chat show um so it, keris offers some some different insights in a different context but it's definitely worth a listen as well but i would say that wouldn't i uh chris i think it's that time when all, all we're left to do here is say Thank you very much to Karis. Karis, it's been brilliant. We have enjoyed this. I have enjoyed it. I don't know about Bill, but I think he has from what I've been hearing. <laughs> I've enjoyed this, it. Is, this has been great. And uh, yeah, I, I I personally will link link up with you on LinkedIn. And I, I want to learn more as we go along. You're, you're a great resource and I think you're extremely valuable. So given that opportunity to ask questions, for people to ask questions of you, thanks for doing that follow-up with them. I hope they take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. And it's been great to meet you, Chris. I, I know we'll stay friends. Uh, look forward to the LinkedIn Connect. And it's been, it's been a great chat. You guys have some great questions. This podcast is supported by Fidelo Inc., a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic, integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O dot com.